Father, I pray for your words, that they be your words, and that my heart would be submitted to yours. That I might announce you or bear witness to you. May your reign increase in me and in your church and in this world. Amen. Amen. So we were talking this morning in Sunday school about a manger, about Jesus was, was laid, laid to rest in a manger, right, which is a feeding trough, and, and it was sort of what was available and what could work. So I brought this. This is, a, this is, a, this is my sock, sock drawer from when I was a kid, actually. This is a sock drawer from when I was a kid. It's a... It was really, when Karen and I got married, it was the only real dresser we had at the time. And, and this isn't the actual drawer that Alex slept in as a baby, because he was too long for this one. But we still have that dresser, and, and so the story goes like this. I don't know if Alex has heard this story or not. Um, but Alex was uh, three weeks early, and, and after uh, an extended time of bed rest that Karen had been on. And so while Karen was pregnant, we were trying to get the nursery all ready. And as you might imagine, um, extended bed rest for the, for the wife and mother meant that maybe some other things didn't get done, like the nursery. Does that make that sound sort of familiar? Right, that, that uh, you had this plan and and life interrupted by coming and showing up early. And what I want to say is that uh, Alex wasn't at all interested in whether the nursery was done. <laughs> he just wasn't. It didn't make any difference to him. It made no difference whatsoever. And a matter of fact, in that house in Olympia, that house had been moved. So I, as I tell you the story, you'll know that Sometimes when people move houses, they require repair. Well, it had had plaster walls. And, and so what they had done is they had sheetrocked over the plaster. And so the walls were about this thick. And they were the best sound deadening experience you've ever been near. That you could not hear the TV in the next room when the door was closed. It just was quiet. And Alex wasn't very noisy at that spot. And so the truth is, is if he'd been in the nursery, we wouldn't have been able to hear him. But he slept for mo until the nursery was done in a drawer in the master bedroom. And it was perfectly acceptable. It's a sock drawer. Not really a sock drawer, probably a shirt drawer or something a little long, about twice as long as this, because he was long and thin, and he was early. And so I want to tell you a little bit about that because that's what Jesus' first coming was sort of like. Do you realize that he came at sort of a time when they were traveling and didn't really have all their preparations made? Matter of fact, you can just imagine how much fun it was to have a pregnant woman on a donkey for three days nearing the time of birth. I bet that was the most fun ever. <laughs> Maybe for the not for the husband, right? No, because that is not how that works. The husband didn't have any fun either at that point in time. And and the only thing 
that Christmas season would do for me, because we are talking, right, I've been talking about these candles and the themes behind Advent Sundays, not just from his first coming, but from his second coming perspective. So faith, hope, and joy, but today, love. And, and as I do this, I think of other Christmas traditions, like we sing Little Drummer Boy. Do you know the song? Little Drummer Boy, I don't have anything to bring, but so I'll just play on the song. Can you imagine a new mother and her baby just got the baby down for a nap? Actually, I would like to not have the drum right now. Thank you. Please just let him sleep. It's okay. No, but the Little Drummer Boy song has something very specific in it. It says, I don't have anything to offer except the song. Is it is a cell phone nearby? It's okay. It's like, oh, Christmas music has just invaded the situation. No, and we talked about that. But he didn't have anything to offer, so he'd give the song. That's the point of the Little Drummer Boy song, is it not? I don't have anything of value. And so as we talk about this, what I want to say is, that's the same situation as let the little children come to me. Now, when Jesus says that, the, the disciples, the little children are coming to him, and the disciples are sending them away, and his real problem isn't that the little children are going to bother him, but the, little, but the disciples are saying, look, they don't have anything to offer. They don't have any status in society, so let the important people come to Jesus is the real issue going on in the day. And Jesus says, no, you let the little children come because the little children that we come, that we come as little children, as people knowing we don't have anything to offer. We don't, we don't bring our status and position to Jesus and then enhance his position by our showing up. Our showing up. So, so I want to make sure that we handle this in this way, that Jesus says, let the little children come. So this is my um, discussion about the love candle today. And from that, two first century or second century sayings. The first one is um, a church father remembering the disciple John in his very old days saying, Dear children, love one another. And, and he would say that over and over again. That's, this is the, look, there's, I need to tell you, there's no way to know whether the quote is real or not, but it is this, that the, the, the old disciple John would say, dear children, love one another all the time. That's all he would say. So in the middle of an argument, he would say, dear children, love one another. And they would get tired, so tired of it. They say, why do you say this? And he says, because it's the Lord's command, and if you do that, it'll be enough. Love one another. The other quote that I would like to talk about is that uh, all of Scripture hangs like a coat on the hook of loving God and one another. All of Scripture hangs on that understanding. 
Do you know what that means? That, that if you think that God is not loving, then understanding the scripture doesn't work. But, but if you understand that loving God and loving one another comes from a biblical understanding, then all of it starts to make sense in a different way. So let's go to the scripture today. I know your, your, uh, your bulletin probably says something. I'm not going to have you go there. It doesn't say anything good. Then you don't have to go there. Matthew 6, 20, Matthew 6 is where we're going. It's not a traditional Christmas text, but you'll see that it works. This is 624. Are you ready for this? You're not there yet. It's page 18, 1486. It's a very good year. I hear pages, so I'll wait. 24. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I know that Christmas, this feels like an anti-Christmas uh, uh, sermon, but what I want to say very clearly is, is that our money can really own us. But if we're going to be love, if we're going to be loving God, then we need to understand that, that that doesn't mean we have to despise money. It means money has to be in its right place. This is what he's talking about. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life and whether or not you have food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't make or work for their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat and what will we drink and what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows your needs. And here's the spot. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Or, as I learned it as a memory verse as a kid, seek ye first the kingdom of God and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And he will give you everything you need. What does that mean? I mean, now I know that we're in the season of fixings and getting the house ready and decorations and, and all of that. And, and and I'm not against that. I mean, literally, I could watch the Grinch movie multiple times every day throughout this thing, and I can listen to Thurl Ravenscroft sing the Grinch song over and over, because who doesn't love Tony the Tiger singing a song? Because that's who that is. It is that guy, yeah. <laughs> He's very famous as Tony the Tiger, but he sings that song. Anyway, it's just one of those things that the fixings and the nursery prep, is, is, that's what it is. We're prepping 
and spending all our time getting ready to celebrate Jesus' birth, and I need you to know that he's not preoccupied with that. That when he came the first time, he was much more concerned about whether his parents loved him than about whether it was in a manger that he was laying in. In the same way that Alex didn't at all mind and doesn't have any memory of the sock drawer. And matter of fact, is this one of the first times you've heard this story? Yeah. See, so it was, it was just so important to us that it didn't matter, right? That when he came, the, you know, by the time he could remember a nursery, it was done. But when he needed to come home, he came home and the home rearranged around him. That's the point of love. And I'm going to talk a little bit about two scriptures that seem sort of widely or, or related to this. And I, and I just need you to know that as we do this in Luke 10, verse 41 and 42, Jesus is in the home of Mary and Martha. It's a very famous story, right? Martha is busy. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Now, I do need to say that in that cultural tradition, that sitting at the foot of the master is the position set for a disciple or the main protege. So when Mary is sitting at his feet, Martha comes in and says, don't you care? Don't you care that I'm doing all this stuff and she's not helping it? Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said here, for dear Mar Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details or, or many things. There's only thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Now what's not said here is that that I wish it was, it, it literally says, look, Martha, you could come sit here too. That's what's being said, isn't it? The important thing is she's sitting, you can do that, it's okay. Now he's not saying, look, we're not gonna need to eat today. And she's doing that, and so there is value in that, but, but seek you first the kingdom of God, and then the other things will happen. And then, and then one more, this is another Jesus, with a woman discussion, this is the woman at the well, and, and it's just a little bit more about this. So, oh, what verse is I'm at? 25. And so, uh, or 21. I, so Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, and he says, go get your husband, verse 16. And she says, I don't have a husband. You're right, he says. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. That is a, an appropriate response, by the way, when somebody speaks into your life something that you don't know about, or something that you're not sharing. I've had that experience in my life where I had this guy that... Um, Everybody was telling me that I always, oh, you have to meet him. 
You have to meet him. He's going to change your life. You have to meet him. And, I, and in my own uh, personal life, I was saying, well, I don't really have to. <laughs> If you ever had somebody, you have to meet some. You have to meet this person, and you start thinking, is it really necessary? Well, when I first met him, his name's Jimmy. A couple of years ago, I, I, I helped in the funeral service for Jimmy. Jimmy stood about this far from me. I don't know. I don't know how else to say that. I mean, it was almost, I thought I could feel his nose touching mine. But he'd spent a good number of years in India, and their personal bubble isn't quite as big. And, and so he was sitting there, and then he told me something that I was keeping secret. That nobody else knew but God, because God sees everything in me. And Jimmy told me about it. And the only re pro proper response there is, I see you've been talking to God. And you start to listen and, and pay attention. So I want you to hear, this is the appropriate, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet. prophet. I've got a question now. And so she says, so tell me why it is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to worship while we Samaritans claim it's here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped. And this is Jesus' reply. Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when we will no, it will no longer matter where you worship the Father on, on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans don't know very much or you know very little about the one you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him. You worship in spirit, but you don't know very much. We are so full of our knowledge that we've forgotten to be have any spirit. Now, you might say that's not what he's saying, but it is. Listen to this. He goes, but the time is coming indeed, and it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. He's not saying, he's not saying to them, well, you Samaritans don't know anything, so your worship isn't valuable. We know it all. What he's literally saying is, you worship him, but you don't have very much knowledge. We are so puffed up in knowledge that the Jews don't really worship him in spirit anymore. And the time is coming when neither one of those will be acceptable. And in fact, the time is now. What does that mean? What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? It means that when you seek his kingdom first, all the other stuff will be added to you. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, you're not going to be without knowledge about it because you're going to dig in and find that stuff. Does that make sense? But if you only dig in and you don't follow him in love and, 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 and spirit, you just end up wanting to write another biography about God. And he's not listening. He's not, he's not uh, soliciting another biographer right now. He's got that covered. 
in the same way that he's that he's not looking for another person to be the Lord and Savior of Colville. I know I submitted the application. They got sent back. They're just not accepting applications for that position right now. Because there is only one Lord and Savior of Colville or Washington or the United States or the world, and his name is Jesus. And we were talking about this in Sunday school, weren't we, Luke? What's his name mean? Say it, say it the easy way. God to the rescue. God to the rescue. Jesus' name means Yahweh saves or God to the rescue. That's what his name means. And if you're rescued and you love him for rescuing him, you will recognize that he's the Lord and Savior. I'm sorry, Luke, I didn't mean to do that to you. Put him on the spot. I didn't even talk to him about it beforehand. I didn't, by the way, talk to Alex beforehand about sharing the sock drawer thing. I was planning on doing it, wasn't sure whether he was going to be here when I was scheduling that. I just need you to know that the application of the truth and love together creates true worshipers in the same way that when the sweet baby Jesus, right, isn't, that's how Maya says it, sweet baby Jesus. Just like Get baby flesh. Sweet baby Jesus. That's how I'm about, right? That's spot on. Okay. Sweet baby Jesus doesn't care if the nursery's ready. The manger is just fine if the people around him love him. When Jesus comes back the second time, it's not going to be how big and fancy the temple is. It's going to be the people that love him. The concern he had at his first coming is going to be his concern at the second coming. Do you love him? Do you love him? Do you love sweet baby Jesus? Yes, he is the Lord and Savior of all. And when Messiah comes, Right? Isn't this when Messiah comes, he's going to lead us into all truth. That's what she says. He will explain everything to us. And Jesus says, I am he. I'm the Messiah. I don't want you to get confused on what were Jesus' concerns from the first time and the second time. Did he want joy in his people when he came? Yes, around Christmas. That's why we do this faith, because he's after faith. Is he after hope? Yes, he brings hope with him. Is he after joy? Yes, he brings that with him. Is he after love? Dear children, love one another. Why do you keep saying that? Because if you were to do it, it would be impossible. It's Merry Christmas, right? Love one another. If you want to give Jesus a present that he's after, love God, love one another. If you're to do that, all the scripture hangs like a you pray with me? Lord Jesus, this morning as we 
as we celebrate your first coming, help us not forget that your first coming meant the second one was on the way and that right soon. Move in our hearts that we might love you, that we might know you, that we would seek you first. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.